Okay, guys, we have another interview question for you today coming from our guest speaker, Tanner Shriver. Listen, pause, then answer for yourself. What is your greatest strength and your greatest weakness? Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Crowning Moment. My name is Casey Gibson, and today we have another special guest, and he's going to introduce himself. Hello, everybody. My name is Tanner Shriver. Uh, I answer to that name professionally and legally. I'm originally from Fayetteville, North Carolina. I now reside in Wilmington, North Carolina. Uh, I have been a male lead entertainer for the last four years. I will be celebrating my fifth anniversary actually on my birthday. Uh, but I've been involved within mainstream pageantry and LGBT gay pageantry for the last 14 years. Uh, I started off behind the scenes actually as a dresser for many local and national entertainers. Uh, I was also the right-hand man to my ex-husband who got me into the pageantry side of drag pageants and male lead entertainment. Uh, I'm an army brat, so I've traveled the country. I've lived pretty much all over the United States. Uh, When I graduated high school, I moved down to Miami, Florida, and I went to Johnson Wales University where I received a hospitality management degree. Uh, And from that, it opened up many doors to allow me to um, become a corporate manager for restaurants. I left that recently during the pandemic to focus on Tanner mainstream within pageantry, but also also my stage life. Uh, I'm a former Disney cast member. I'm also a former, uh, I've ran one of the local LGBT gay bars here in Fayetteville, North Carolina for a year and a half. Um, and in between all that also, I worked for five and a half years for David's Bridal Corporation, where I was one of the top selling 50 stylists uh, in the state and in the company. Um, I love what I do. I love being a voice and an advocate for uh, male lead entertainment, but also for our LGBT community. Uh, and if you can give me rhinestones, glitz and glam, that's where I, that's, that's my jush, if you will. So, yeah. I love that. You have so many different things that you've done over the years and especially some really interesting ones that I want to dive into right away. And I had the opportunity to run into you at International United Miss a few weeks ago where you were judging. And when they were going over your bio, my mom looked at me and was like, you have to interview him. Like you have no choice. You will interview him. Because you had just such a unique background. And as everyone just heard, like you have a very unique background. So I want to dive into that. So let's hear a little bit more about what the male side of pageantry is like. We haven't had anyone on the podcast talk about that side. And I hear it is very cutthroat. <laughs> uh, it is it is very cutthroat. But, you know, outside of gay pageantry, um, you know, there are male competitions out there. And there are mainstream male pageants. Uh, one of the main thing, if you will, uh, what it's, I don't say it as a platform, but it is something that I stand very firm on, is being a voice for us as male lead entertainers within the gay industry. Um, because, you know, we are pushed back and we are a, a little bit, I hate the word to you, shunned, but just as much as in mainstream world right now, if we talk about equal pay or a voice for women or people of color or trans men and women of color for uh, everyday life, if you will, 
you know, in our stage life and in our competition side, you know, we as male entertainers are kind of silenced a little bit or not equally paid uh, as other mainstream uh, entertainers or competitors. Um, Gay pageantry really works the same exact way, if you will, and I'm doing it in air quotes as mainstream pageantry. You know, we have different divisions um, because the majority of our gay pageantry is involved with being an entertainer outside of traveling with your system or the business of whatever pageant you're competing for. Uh, you know, you have to sometimes be 18 years or older because you're going to be mainly traveling to, to nightlife or to clubs. Uh, now we've seen in the last couple of years, that's kind of opened a little bit to where, you know, our straight allies or venues, if you will, are opening up doors to be more family friendly and stuff. But mainly you got to be 18 years or older, but we have different divisions. Um, Miss, we have at large, which is for 225, 200, depending on the system of our curvy or thick girls or boy sizes. Uh, we have our classic division, which is for more of your uh, tenured or uh, um, seasoned entertainers, if you will. Some divisions, like in my system, you have to be 35 years or older, some 40, some 45. Uh, and we also have what we call newcomer, uh, which is for individuals that have never competed on the national level or and have a less tenured reign or season in the industry of like eight years or less, if you will. Uh, and, in and amongst all of that, we have Mr. Titles. Um, and you know, they're also outside of being a male lead entertainer for our bio queens who are MIs or what we call Mr. Illusionists, you know, we have that available or what you would hear as far as a drag king, but, uh, we've progressed to where, uh, it's also opened doors and become a voice, if you will, and a platform for post-operative and pre-operative trans men and women as well. Um, so being a, I take being a male lead entertainer very hard, but I also take being an advocate and a, a competitor even harder, if you will, um, because I want to be that voice for our community. And I'm not just the gay community, but as a whole. But going off of that, you know, in my head, I know what the preparation of a regular passion looks like. I'm a co-director of the national system. I compete myself and being on the backside, I get to watch the ins and the outs of it. What would the the progress of getting ready for a pageant look like for you? So I, I think it works hand in hand, even just like what you would with Casey or if any individual listening to this that is trying to compete to whether they think or she thinks or he might think, and when I say this, um, that he or she is ready to become Miss America, Miss USA, right? Or for example, when we met Miss International United, right? First things first, you got to do your research. Not every system is for the right individual and not every individual is for the right system. So you really want to do your research and feel what also kind of fits your brand. So what I mean by this, and I kind of touched on it earlier, is outside of us applying for the job like you would, the advantage that's a little bit different, I feel, than in mainstream pageantry is we are entertainers. So we're traveling, collecting, uh, and um, showcasing our brand outside of the pageantry system's brand, right? And so we're traveling the country, we're, we're making bookings, we're collecting tips, just like you would see any drag entertainer or any male lead entertainer if you've ever been to a drag show would. We're just doing that, and it bumps our resume up with a crown, a regalia, a sash, a pin, or whatever, right? 
Um, so you really got to do your research to see what fits for you. Uh, I am the reigning Mr. USA Unlimited. I was appointed that title, but I was very blessed with this appointment of this title. Before that, like I said, I've be, I'll be going into my fifth year of being Tanner on stage and an entertainer. I've competed in the last five years in 11 pageants overall, but I've done three nationals. Um, and the three nationals I did really fit the brand of who Tanner is on stage. Uh, I remember you told me that one thing that also caught your eyes that you loved my promo picture or my uh, headshot that I had uh, posted and I had full rhinestones, full glitz and glam in that. That I, I am Tanner who we're seeing and talking right now, but when I'm on stage, I'm just a more elevated version of that. Uh, I, I wear full makeup. I go out there and I might wear nude illusion costumes. I'll go out there with foxtails, feathers, and fur and, and full rhinestones. But not every system wants that for their mister. Not every system wants that for their miss. Uh, and then when you find the right system where I find the right system for me, then we break it down by categories. Just like what you've seen, or we could take International United Miss, for example, we go through interview. We go through, if you're a drag queen or a female illusionist or you present as female, you'll have evening gown. Uh, in some systems, they might even take a little further and say creative evening wear. Um, and same for us as misters. Um, we will go in and have formal wear or some titles and some systems have what they call it red carpet attire. Present how you would at the Oscars, the Met Gala, the Tony Awards. Uh, some is creative formal wear. So taking the concept of, uh, well, one of the one things, one of our icons and legends is her name, Luca Montrese. And actually this weekend is Entertainer of the Year, and she's a former. The year she won Entertainer of the Year, she played off of her name, Mocha. So she built a Folgers coffee can, and she had that comfort. She came from behind that, but was in a gorgeous, draped, chiffon, yellow dress like the Folgers logo. So, yes, there's different things that you could take. So you just take that concept a little further. Um, in some systems, and I started out in actually black pageantry, being a voice for our men and women of color. I am one of only three non-men of color that compete in the industry. Uh, in Atlanta or in Jackson, Mississippi, in Memphis, Tennessee, where you see in our quote-unquote, again, black pageantry, you have um, a category called sportswear. Sportswear is more avant-garde, which you would see like Alexander McQueen or Terry Mugler or uh, a little bit of Coco Chanel brought to it. It's not like your athletic sportswear like we would have in mainstream, right? Uh, and then you have swimwear in some, in some systems. Uh, and that category is very uh, nerve-wracking, as I'm sure if you prepared for it, but it's nerve-wracking for us. Uh, you know, I am not the, the typical fit man, if you will. I have a dad bod, which I am very proud of, and I am thick and curvy. But I went out there in November of last year, and for the very first time, I stepped my confidence level up to compete in, in swimmers. Um, and then we also have talent. Our talent's a little different because, you know, you do have lip-syncing talents. Uh, you have illusion talents where individuals, whether they be a man or a queen or a woman, come out and do a celebrity illusion. I'm a George Michael impersonator. I'm actually working on George Michael for my next talent. You have orating talents where you might have spoken word. And then you also do have live singing talents as well. Um, and then in some systems, nine times out of ten, what just like any mainstream, what solidifies the top five and a lot of your winners uh, to take home the title is on stage question. 
um, actually in the in the um, system or uh, that one of the systems I started in and I compete for. It's called Renaissance. They actually do a 15 minute group panel discussion. So you'll have group interview physically on stage because, you know, interview is the only category that is not shown. Um, so yeah, you really got to do your research and you really got to, it, it just like you would plan. We're doing that as well. I'm a little bit more nitpicky because I'll take each category and break it down and see what works for me. And I also write down on there, the attire that I want to wear, what I want to wear to registration, what we call as tip looks, what I'm going to wear each night. Uh, if I'm doing formal wear, you know, what do I, what I want a concept for that? What do I need to get done for that? Cause it is a little bit different for men. You know, we're doing a full completed look just as much as y'all are looking at hair and jewelry and makeup and accessories. We're doing that little same thing, uh, same thing. What do I want my, my bow tie? What do I want my cufflinks to look like? My, my button post, my shoes, all that jazz and stuff. So yeah. Uh, and ju- all I say is we're the same concept of what quote unquote mainstream pageantry or cisgendered men and women pageantry would be, but we just elevated a little more. And we've seen that even where you look and in mainstream pageantry, they're watching what we as drag entertainers quote unquote are doing and implementing it in a mainstream because you would have never fully seen full beaded rhinestone glitz glam gowns at Miss USA. They'd be beaded, but not with fringe or with feathers or sometimes even might incorporate in fur. You're even seeing it down to the makeup. They're going heavier contour, more highlighting, more definition. I mean, you can even see it in hair. A lot of Queens sometimes will do natural hair. We're now seeing natural hair being worn in mainstream pageantry, uh, if you will. So, um, yeah, I, I, it, it's the same process, but just as much as you decide of whether or not you want to be Miss North Carolina, USA, or America, and preparing for that, we're doing it. Now, it's not a scholarship program, but, <laughs> you know, we are traveling and making an income off of this. This is, for a lot of us, it's an expensive hobby, but for a lot of us, both as drag entertainers and male lead performers this is a business and it's just elevating our business and our brand that is awesome and going off of you talking about some of the outfits we're seeing now at miss usa are more from inspired from the drag world or you know different drag shows that we see on netflix and another thing i remember we talked about um, when we were just having our conversation in person at IUM was possibly one day, like my goal is to go to Miss USA. And we t- were talking about North Carolina and like, you know, what should we do and how should we do this? And I said, like, I want like a full drag look. Like I want it to be so over the top. Like everyone does. When you look at universe. All of those girls are coming in with like, I mean, full like murals of India, like <laughs> the most random things, but it's like those specific things really do show the way that you guys are, you know, incorporating the beads and the rhinestones and the fringe, it just elevates the look even more. And that's something that is amazing and something that's not really talked about or said or done. Or It's not. And hear me out when I say this too, what a lot of our mainstream girls and pageant title holders and competitors also don't understand is that we're taking concepts and being inspired off of y'all. If, if you will. So a lot of our girls that compete for, so we have, we have a, a lot of our girls and guys, let's say this, um, we have what we consider the top five mainstream pageantry systems, right? EOI, which is happening this weekend. We have Mr. and Miss Gay America, which has been around for 50 years. 
We have Mr. and Miss Gay US of A, which how and a lot of these systems that I'm also talking about too have different divisions. We have Mr. and Miss Continental, which is perceived to be also one of the 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 gold, like our Miss Universe, if you will, which also opens the door where that system has had a lot of international queens reign. Um, most recently, it made history with the first post-operative trans woman to come from um, Holland, and she was actually on Holland's Drag Race and won Vanessa Van Cartier. Um, and then the other one would be uh, All American Goddess and pageantry and All American Goddess. You do a creative costume, right? And a lot of these, in the, a lot of these competitors, whether they be on my perspective side of the Mister or even on the Miss end, are taking concepts and ideas from Miss USA's, Miss Universe, Miss Americas. One of my mentors in our industry, Shay Shay Larice, she took one of her classic gowns that was inspired off of Miss Universe from a long time ago, and it was a signature gown of hers. Um, so we're just as much as your in quote mainstream men and women are taking inspiration off of us, we're doing the same exact thing. One thing that I would love to see happen for us is to finally find a way to blend the two and to open up doors for us as gay pageantry to have a seat at the table, if you will, for mainstream pageantry. Uh, and we see that in certain areas. Erica Dunlap, a former Miss America, she's very big in the drag pageantry side of things down in Florida and also in Miss in Kentucky. Matter of fact, one of her mentors, two of her mentors, are two of icons and mentors in our industry. And one is a very good close mentor of mine. Uh, Carmela Marcella Garcia was what was her drag pageant mentor and father and mother. And uh, Victoria Porkchop Parker, who also was well known for being on RuPaul's Drag Race, is a mentor of mine, but also a mentor of Victoria's. So, and we see a lot of our allies and a lot of Miss Americas and local titles coming and seeing and having a seat at the table. I uh, wish that it would open up more doors for us. I really do. I had an amazing experience at IUM. Uh, and um, I felt like it started to open up doors more for us. And having like a conversation with you, but not only with Chrisanne and Holly and several of the other mothers and competitors, they started to see, oh my God, I never realized this. Uh, my gay grandfather uh, and mentor, and he's also a former Mr. USA, and we'll be celebrating his 20th anniversary. I don't know if you know him, Casey, but he is uh, Kyle Ann. And um, he's, uh, he's been in the industry for over 30 years. And he's worked with a lot of um, girls in all divisions and helping girls compete for America, USA, Miss World. Uh, he's, he, he himself is a former Mr. Gay America, Mr. USA. Uh, the system that I compete for called Renaissance. Randall Smith is the owner and proprietor of that. Randall also is very big within Georgia pageantry and works with the Georgia USA and stuff. And those girls take concepts from drag pageantry and we see it winning or we see it uh, doing very good to where it bumps them into the 10 or into the five. So yeah, I, and when we talked about your idea of what you want to do, I was like, yes, let's do it because it needs to be seen. I think girls are scared sometimes. You know, they're scared to elevate themselves. 
and they're scared to step outside the box. And I think that's one thing that we kind of need to push for in mainstream pageantry is just as much as we want to step out of the box and be the next best thing uh, in gay pageantry. I feel like our girls need to step up and do that as well. So what is wrong with you coming out? I'm not saying that this is what you're doing, but what is wrong with you going out there in a fully beaded, fringed, rhinestone, glitz, glam gown for when you want to go do Miss USA? Or what is wrong with you coming out of there? And, um, you know, we talked about North Carolina, for example, but you creating a whole entire concept based off of sweet tea. You're thinking outside the box and you would never know, but it might have you in the category and then you're sitting here thinking, girl, I just done turned the party. So now I'm about to be an inspiration for everywhere else. I mean, look at IUM, Little Miss Florida, for example, um, in the in the junior team. She went out there in a feathered bottom, ostrich feather bottom ball gown for evening gown. Stood outside the now for now, of course, we know who won. But I'm just saying for me, that stood out. She she whoever she's working with or whoever is on her team that she assimilated, took that from a drag inspiration. I'm, I'm just being very honest with you on that. Um, and I showed you, you know, my concepts of what I've done before. I'll go out there with the full foxtail wrap, and it's just a full elevated version of what a tux would be. It is such a different thing that people don't realize that they do coincide with one another. Like they are, you know, grabbing bits and pieces from the here and there. And that was the one thing that you opened my eyes to with our conversations is I knew it, but it had never been kind of said. It's like, oh yeah, like so-and-so did this, or this was on RuPaul's Drag Race. Like different items, different styles are being taken from each individual industry, which is awesome because they're already doing the same thing. Why not do it all in one place? Well, and, and look at it like this too. It, it's not too... I'm a very open person and I, and I say what's on my mind. I'm Southern and Italian, okay? So it's going to happen. What I mean by this, let's also just call spade a spade. In mainstream pageantry, a lot of your pageant coaches, a lot of your individuals that are on team are what? Gay men, right? And a lot of those gay men are either a former drag queen, they have worked within the drag industry, they have friends that are in the entertainment and night lifestyle side of, the, of, of clubs, they follow drag pageantry and they're taking those inspirations and trying to give it to said competitors like yourself of girls your age, even down to the younger age and even into the misses category, right? I think sometimes um, in mainstream pageantry, even guys and girls are scared to elevate themselves. But that's the whole reason why you have a team. Just as much as you assimilate a team outside of your mom and your coach and your designer, we're doing the same exact thing ourselves. The only thing a little bit different is that we physically also have a dresser right there behind us through every category from start to finish. So every night of competition, we physically have a dresser there with us. That dresser also might be your hairstylist and your makeup artist. They're making sure that you're going out there with no flaws or flaws at all, right? Or if something happens, they're there to fix it. Or in talent, they're setting up props and stuff like that. But that's a little that's a little bit different on that side of stuff. But again, these men that are spending their hard-earned time, which is more important than money, to help you accomplish your dream. Might not be their nine to five, but they're there on the sidelines with you. And all they're trying to do is help elevate you or these said girls or even guys accomplish a goal and a dream of theirs. 
you know, um, it, 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 again, it's just like a business for us, like it is so much for you. It's a job, right? You you become Miss IUM, what are you doing? Not only are you receiving that great, amazing prize package, but you're reigning. You're, you are traveling this country or like them internationally and being a voice and an advocate for your community or your said platform. We're doing the same exact thing uh, ourselves. It, and you know, it's also just not national pageants we have or mainstream pageants like this. We have bar titles uh, with a lot of nonprofit organizations now, too. You have nonprofit organizational titles. Um, and you also have pride pageants, right? And each system has a specific platform. Each system is going to want you to do certain things. Like nationally, you might, depending on your system, because there are some national pageants that we have that you do not have to sell preliminaries, but you're going around this country selling preliminaries to gain contestants, right? If you are a bar title, you're you're booked at said bar, but you're traveling the country as well. So you're working on bringing representatives for that. If you're a pride pageant, some pride pageants do preliminaries, some don't. You, you know, just like mainstream pageantry, in order to qualify, it might you have to enter in with a state title or you have to enter in with a regional or you can just show up for open registration and pay. Um, uh, and as long as you feel that you're prepared to reign national for whatever that title is, you come in and show up and apply for the job and you can compete. Wow. OK, another thing I want to ask you, because I've never like understood how this works or how you get them. Get like a drag mom, mother, grandpa. Like, how does that whole like family tree situation work? Okay, so I love this because um, I'm very blessed with an amazing family, uh, and, it, and I'm not going to say that my life has been easy by any means, especially being an openly gay man. Uh, and I was married for nine years. Uh, I am I am divorced, uh, and I also had to blend another family, if you will. So two blood families, right? But what I'm going with this is just as much as we are born with a mother and a father, we in the gay community, and it all actually stemmed from the ballroom side of stuff, uh, if you really look at it, we assimilated a house or we assimilated a chosen family. A lot of our men and women uh, in the LGBT community, whether they're lesbian, gay, bi, trans, and every now and day, there's another alphabet being added. But <laughs> however they identify, some of these individuals are shunned and ostracized from their family, right? Uh, I'm very blessed that I have had an amazing time with my family, and they have open arms, and they love on me conditionally. Uh, and it was not an easy road, especially also with my mother. Um, but the one thing that I, in this time right now, and I know I'm still young to where I could do it, I've never had a chance to give her blood kids, but I've given her chosen grandkids, right? Um, and they might be of my same age or background and lifestyle, but they are my chosen kids. So I am a gay father. Uh, I mentor these individuals, both um, trans uh, drag queens, if you quote unquote want to want to say, and then I also have, I have three sons. Um, so I have seven kids total, and then I myself have a drag mother, but I have several fathers. <laughs> uh, and you know, from that it extends down like a family a family tree, 
it is just nothing but a blended family of friends and individuals that have approached you to come by saying, can you mentor me and lead me in this direction of what it is to be a part of this gay lifestyle, right? Because I'm going to, I have an open door policy with my mom. She's one of my ride or dies and my best friends, right? But she might not get where I'm coming from. So her as a mother, like your mom, which I love your relationship with your mom, um, is there, but she might not be able to relate. So there are conversations and things that I can say to my drag mother, but I might not say to my birth mother, right? My drag mom, her name is Brittany Pearl Sebastian. She lives down in Florida. She is the showgirl of our industry, one of the showgirls. My grandmother, Chelsea Pearl, is an icon and a legend. She was the, outside of several other showgirl. And what I mean by that, you know, you look at Las Vegas showgirl with backpacks, feathers, and rhinestones. Yeah, that's my grandmother. That's my mother, but an elevated version. So every time they come out, they'll be in a full rhinestone backpack beaded gown, right? Uh, my other grandmother is an icon of this industry. She's been performing and uh, advocate for over 45 years. Her name is LaWanda Jackson. She is a Las Vegas showgirl herself. She is also an icon within our LGBT pageantry uh, side of things. Um, she's traveled being also an HIV AIDS advocate. Uh, and she's a celebrity impersonator. Um, and she was also seen on Miss Congeniality. Kyle Ann Haggerty is my grandfather. Uh, my gay fathers are Charlton Alicia, Levi Davison, and Ricky Haggerty. Uh, and then I have my kids. So it just as much as I am proud of the accomplishments of my blood family and my mom, who's a retired major of the United States Army, <clears throat> I'm proud of my, my legacy and I'm proud of my kids. Uh, and not all of my kids do pageants. Some just are gay boys that need help being a gay boy, being a gay man in our lifestyle that we're in and in, in, in the in the current day and age that we're in. Uh, one of my daughters is an amazing entertainer. She's done like one or two pageants, but she's made her brand and known uh, traveling across this country just as a, an amazing entertainer. My other daughter, my oldest daughter, my firstborn, if you will, her name is Amazing Grace. She is an America girl. She's competed for Miss North Carolina several times. She now moved back home to St. Louis, Missouri, and eventually she'll probably become Miss Missouri America. Uh, but she's the reigning Miss Atlantic Coast America. But her goal is to become Miss Gay America. So, and then my oldest son, um, his name is Giovanni. He is my showboy. You know, he is a, a part of me, but he's also a thick boy. He's a curvy boy. He's six four, three hundred something pounds. But the boy will go out there in a beaded rhinestone costume, headdress, backpack, and he's a passionate competitor himself. He actually is a part of the system that I'm a part of. Um, and he started out in one of our divisions and in our uh, branches of male lead pageantry called Baron Cub, which is a lifestyle, right? Uh, and I never knew nothing about that. But because of my son, he's educated me to understand the lifestyle and also understand the community of being a Baron Cub. So yeah, just as much as we have blood families and you have brothers or sisters and grandparents and aunts and uncles, we have it just on the chosen level. And what I absolutely love to, before we go on to the next question is, is that my blood family 
welcomes and loves my chosen family. Now, my mama rides hard a little bit more for my kids, but she's there on the sideline and, you know, uh, supporting, sending congratulations to my kids whenever they win a pageant. She'll actually be at my step down um, and be in there for it. But in that moment, and I'm trying not to get emotional, but in that moment, I know that what I have done uh, has been accomplished because this will be the first time that she actually gets to, she's never been to one of my pageants. Wow. That's, that's so awesome to have her there for that moment. That's going to be really special. Oh yeah, girl. And I'm trying not to get emotional thinking about it because, you know, I stepped down in three weeks. I know. And that's, I'm so sad. I'm going to miss it. I'm so sad about that. (laughs) Yeah. I stepped down in three weeks and she, um, has always said, you know, Tanner, your purpose on on this earth is to continue just to be a positive voice for people, right? And she's always like, why don't you go become and go into politics? Why don't you become a Harvey Milk? Why don't you go and become, you know, uh, uh, a Laverne Cox, if you will, for our trans community? Because I'm very big on inclusivity. Um, it's just not me. And jokingly, I always say I have a lot of skeletons in my closet. But me becoming, me being Mr. USA Unlimited, eventually becoming Mr. Gay America, eventually becoming Mr. National Entertainer of the Year and several other goals that I want to accomplish, I can still do that. And I can still be that voice outside of just reigning for 365 days, but also as a former of that system. And so when when she gets to see that moment, August 13th, when I step down, I know that I've done my job and I know that uh, I've accomplished what I needed to. Yeah. Girl, you got me crying. Not a lot of people could do that. <laughs> and I feel bad because I feel like this next question may may pull some tears on you. But I know that you've had, you know, a great journey through this entire industry and this whole world of pageantry. But for those that are out there that may be struggling or may not know who they are yet, what are some words of encouragement that you can give to them or even your Instagram names so they can reach out and talk to you one on one? One of the best pieces. Oh, girl. Okay, so we about to go in on this one. Um, I still, I'm, I'm, I'll be 35, September 29th. I'm a Libra, but also on that same day, um, I will be celebrating five years of being an entertainer. <clears throat> one of the best pieces of advice that I ever received is actually from a former Miss Gay America and one of my mentors. Her name is Cody Collins, and she said, "Never let anybody ever determine your self worth." Never let anybody to tell, determine your self-worth. And I heard that so many times throughout the years because at Miss Gay America, when you're reading uh, your evening gown description, it says, what is the best piece of advice? It wasn't until, honestly, when I divorced my ex-husband until I figured out what my self-worth was. And I found peace. Because for so many years, like I told you when we first started, you know, for 14 years, I was a dresser. For 14 years, I was behind the scenes. Uh, Still, even to this day, whether they're my kids, whether they're my friends or outside uh, voice that needs help, I'm still taking my time, my money, um, and helping others accomplish their dreams and goals. You know, Casey, I um, am blessed to have had the life that I have had, but I was never happy. I wasn't. I was just living to live and I wasn't living to live, if that makes sense. And it wasn't until five of my good friends on my birthday in 20, 
18 said, you need to stop and you need to finally do something for you. And literally in 24 hours on my birthday, I went and competed for my very first pageant as Tanner and I won. And it opened up the doors because I realized this is what I want to do. This is, this is really made me happy. And so whether or not if it's outside of wanting to become an amazing pageant competitor, a voice for a pageant system, you know, my goal is to actually be happy for Tanner. And so I just say that into any person, to any little boy, girl, any grown man or woman, because, you know, we still have people that we know that are in well plus years that are just not happy. You need to protect your peace and do what's right for you. And don't let others diminish your self-worth. You know what's going to be best for you. And some people might like it and some people might not. But if at the end of the night, you know that you can go to bed, that you've done yourself the justice, that's all that frankly matters. That's very, very, very well said. And I'm proud of you for not crying during that. Okay, you saw that? You saw that? (laughs) I I love that one, we don't have to be on camera and they only catch our audio because sometimes when I'm filming these episodes, I'd be looking rough. But also it's like those moments where it's like, you can hear it in someone's voice when they're like holding back because they're very passionate about what they're talking about. And so I appreciate being able to hear it. And that's the big thing is like, you can see someone's emotion, but hearing it hits home differently. I just, I've always thought that it's just such a different feeling to just, we're in this moment together. We can hear each other and understand. And even if we didn't have camera on, you would still know the emotion that you're feeling in the moment. Cause you can just hear someone like you're being that active listener for them in that conversation. Well, and, and I mean, understand this too, or for everybody that's out there that hears this, um, you know, I'm an openly gay man. I love being a gay voice, right? But we're talking about pageants, okay? I've literally witnessed individuals that never been able to accomplish their dream because they were taken from us too soon. And this is also even with the pandemic that's happening. And even now, more so day and age, we're looking on social media before pre-pandemic and during post-pandemic, if you will, where we're, where we're losing our voices. We're losing the icons. We're losing the ones that have paved the way for us to continue to do what we're doing, right? And no matter what, I'm very passionate about this because everybody has a voice. And everybody's voice should be heard. Now, whether what what way that voice is displayed, it it needs we need to have those doors open. But mainstream, gay or not, I'm very firm on understanding where we've come from and understanding the past. And because if we don't know our past, we're not going to look at the present and we're not going to know the future. And for me. One of the other main things that I stand firm on and one of my principles is being that voice for our past and for our icons and for individuals that might not have ever had a chance to have the voice. I watched one of my dear friends a couple years ago who wanted nothing more in this world to be Miss North Carolina US of A, not Miss Gay US of A, but Miss Gay North Carolina US of A. And she passed away right before she was able to even go to nationals. 
you know, and I've, I've seen these things happen. My grandmother, Chelsea Pearl, that we talked about was an icon and a voice that opened up many doors for individuals to do what we can do now. And she recently passed, but her voice is still staying on. My grandmother, Lawanda, like I talked about, eight years ago, she suffered a brain aneurysm and a stroke, which has left her paralyzed on the on one part of her body. But she's still pushing forward and she still entertains and she still goes out there and utilizes her voice. Now, what her voice says now is a different story, but beforehand, it was still that big voice. And so my grandparents, both blood and chosen, know that our voice is always going to stand firm. And that's one thing that I want mainstream competitors, our young girls, our older girls, and even our misters and our LGBT competitors to know that voice was there for a reason. When you listen, you're going to be able to understand a little bit better. Very important message. I'm so glad because I know that I have a lot of little girls listening, a lot of little boys, adult people. I have, because I, I look at my, my analytics every week, I have an age range of 60 to 85 listening. I don't know if it's my grandpa or my grandma or somebody else is out there, but every age group is listening and I'm so glad that they can hear this message coming from you because it's needed. needed. Yes, I love that. You know, uh, again, you know, we still have, our gay men and women and trans men and women that forget where we came from. We celebrate pride for one month. I celebrate pride 365 days, but I also understand that pride was assimilated and formulated on the, on the voice and the body of our trans men and women of color. It was founded our pride month, if you will. And why we celebrate June was from Martha P. Johnson and Sylvia Rivera, right? If it wasn't for those two, amazing trans women of color, I wouldn't be able to be able to have this voice with you right now, right? We also see though in mainstream side of pageantry again, to bring it back to this, where trans voices are being accepted, right? I wish it would be accepted a little bit more. Uh, And I wish the doors would be open. And I wish that there would be seats at the table for that. We've seen that happen on our side of stuff. Mr. Gay America just released not too long ago, that now post-operative trans men, and if your birth certificate and ID reflects male, you can come and compete to be Mr. Gay America. My system, USA Unlimited Pageantry, is all-inclusive. So whether or not if you are a born at birth male or woman, or you are a trans man or woman, you can come and compete for our system and be a voice. If we allow that seat at the table, like you're doing right now with us, Casey, we will have more empathy versus sympathy in this world, and we would have more grown folk conversations to allow change to happen. I agree. Another thing I wanted to bring up, which this may be very controversial to bring up, but... No, talk. Let's talk. Let's, because I feel like you're very comfortable. I can do this with you and you're not going to like hone it. But one of the big things, um, there is a guy, Matt Walsh. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He is a part of the Daily Wire, which is uh, Ben Shapiro's kind of whole network that he created. He is also the leading LGBTQ author for children's books. Um, he came out with a movie called What is a Woman? 
where he interviewed a bunch of different pediatrician, um, gender reversal, doing a lot of different procedures with trans women. And the one thing he could never get the answer from any of those people that did those surgeries or was a part of those type of communities to answer what was a woman. So I just want to ask you, because I feel like you're a comfortable person I can ask, what would you describe as a woman? What is a woman to you? I can't answer that question, Casey, because I'm not going through that that's not something or that's not a uh, a chapter in my life, right? That's not my journey. I, all I can say is to to answer that or maybe kind of facilitate what you're trying to say is, is nothing in between or what's some between somebody's legs should negate or should basically reasoning of what identifies an individual as a man or a woman. Right. If they wake up and they understand that in this body and what we see and who we are is not who that individual is, why should we negate their growth and their journey? During Pride this year, I uh, was honored. My daughter, Amazing Grace, that I talked about on here during the pandemic. Right. uh, We lost a lot of revenue and income because a lot of establishments weren't open. Right. So we weren't able to compete. We weren't able to go on our regular booking, so we lost money. But my daughter was like, no, there's enough bread in this world for every to, every everybody to break. So she developed an amazing business called Driveway Drag Shows to where she would go to everybody's homes and bring a drag show to your private backyard or to your house, okay? Uh, and even after post-pandemic, it's still being very successful, even while she's living in St. Louis, Missouri. She called me a couple uh, during Pride Month and said, Dad, I need you to go to this booking for me. Can you host it? Because I host shows and everything like that. When I got there, what I, what I thought was a surprise birthday party for a woman of a particular age, no. They were celebrating the birthday, but what it actually was, it was a community that created a backyard Pride event because a six-year-old trans girl was being bullied, being tormented, not just by her school, but by her community. So these individuals, family, chosen, friends, everybody of all ages, created this for this little girl. I took away so much for that because for a six-year-old little girl to understand her worth and who she is, you have 60-year-old men and women that can't even stand their grounds or come to terms of who or what they are, if you will, right? So I really can't, I, I really can't answer that question as far as what defines or what makes a woman. What makes a woman happy is, should be the question. What makes a man happy should be the question, right? Because I've met men at pride events, at drag shows. First time coming to a straight or to a gay man or or a straight man coming to a gay bar or a drag show and they've had this preconceived notion and then they leave something totally different. Or I've met men and women of 45 years or older to where they've lived a whole other totally different life. They've worked a corporate nine to five job. They've had kids. But then it wasn't until later in life they finally had to have the self conversation within themselves. I'm either gay. I'm a lesbian. I'm bi or I'm a trans or I'm trans, you know, and we also have non-binary uh, in the, uh, brothers and sisters 
Now, non-binary is something that I'm still learning. I ain't going to lie. However, who am I to say as Tanner just because I um, present myself as he and him or his, if you will? Who am I to negate that my next door neighbor, if you will, or the individual that I made history in last year becoming the first alternate to the first non-binary individual? I can't negate that. I, I, I mean, not negate. I can't voice that for them. It's uh, also something that you have to have in that conversation with inside yourself. Because before I came out gay to anybody, I'd have come out gay to Tanner. That's a whole other podcast we could do. <laughs> no, we'll definitely have to do like a follow-up episode on some other things. Cause I know like, I hate that we have such short time, but we will definitely be doing another podcast, especially about that is just listening to who you are and what you want personally, not all these other outside sources. And that's one thing I had to remember is like, yeah, you can go to these coaches, you can go to these dress designers, you can do all of these, but you need to first ask, what do you want to wear? What color makes you feel pretty? Those are the big key things that people don't think about. Or even if it's, you have to think about as a mother, when I was competing in pageants, well, like when my mom competed, she was like, oh, like I wanted to wear this color, this thing, this thing. So now that I'm competing, she asked me, what color do you want to wear? And my, I don't know why, my always my go-to color is royal blue. I love the way I look in royal blue. That's what I want to wear. And so- yeah, when I want, if I get put in a hot pink gown or a yellow gown or something, I just don't, I know personally that I will not compete to the best of my abilities because I'm not happy with the color that is being chose for me or that is just being given to me to wear. I always pick a shade of blue. I don't know why, whether it's dark, light, I'm just always in a shade of blue. <laughs> That's me. My, my, mine here lately is purple. Actually, when I step down, uh, it's, an, uh, it's in tribute to my mother because her birthstone is uh amethyst right but it's every every pageant i have had a step down for i do purple right but i i love what you just said right because it's confidence uh today's thursday so tuesday i did my series called the unlimited master class right and on that i had one of our formers uh leah halston she's a former miss unlimited she said what you said in a sense because in our world and uh, in gay in the gay pageantry side, I don't know if you see it too much on your end. So you correct me if I'm wrong. But you'll have girls or guys that will rent or borrow other people's formal wear or different things of a package, right? Now I get it. I get it. We've all been there because you might need it at the last minute type of thing. But what I'm getting at, or what Leah was also getting at, is your confidence level is going to be totally different if you walk out in somebody else's garment than if it was of your own. Because you're going out there and selling to the judges, not just to the judges, but to the audience, your package from start to finish. If you're going into that contest or that pageant wearing somebody else's garments, yeah, you might have you might slay and you might win the pageant, but your confidence level might be down a little bit, right? Because if we take formal wear or gown, for example, you're taking fit. You're taking modeling confidence. You're taking energy. You're taking the whole entire concept from the look. If you are a five foot nine girl, why are you renting a dress? Or if you're a five foot nine guy, why are you borrowing the formal wear or gown of somebody that's six one, knowing that the length and stuff is going to have to be fixed? So now you're at the last minute taking you and your dresser. You're hemming the dress. You're poly filling because, you know, in drag pageantry, we pad, right? And I know some girls do that there too, 
Um, but you're doing whatever things to make that garment fit you when it's not your garment. So your confidence level is always going to be different. LaWanda Jackson, my grandmother, she's one, again, I, I'll probably, I talk about her all the time. She's one of my best friends or my ride or dies. She's the one to say, listen to your inner voice. Because at the end of the day, you're the one selling the package nobody else is. That's why also for talent, I never really go out there with a production talent, if you will, by having dancers behind me or stuff. I'd rather go out there for a solo talent because I know confidence and I know what I'm going to do and it's worked for me. I'm going to slay talent a little bit better versus me having eight or nine backup dancers for a talent. Right. And then you also kind of then go into that of if I'm sitting there judging the talent side of a drag pageant and you got eight or nine dancers, your dancer on your left is offbeat. Your dancer on your right is too fast. Now they're throwing you off or your dancers are out dancing you or your energy isn't the same level. So, yes, when we talked about earlier, as far as when you're doing your research and you're preparing and understanding the system that you're doing, you also need to understand your voice and understand you. There's nothing wrong with you going to your team of people because it does take a village. But, and there's nothing wrong with you taking advice, but at the end of the day, you should be the one to put your foot down by saying, no mom, no dad, no Jim Bob that's designing my gown or that might be designing my swimwear. I want to wear this. You're going to make it happen? Because if you're not going to make it happen, I could go somewhere else. That's just how I feel. No, I, I absolutely agree with that. And that's funny because like looking back on my pageant journey, when I was probably like 10 or 11, I was competing in Little Miss, South Carolina, and they had little local prelims. And in my town, it was Young Miss Kershaw County and Young Miss Camden. Well, that year, because there's two titles. And so I got, it was like, depending on where you live in the county, you got which title. And I was Young Miss Kershaw County the first year. Well, the girl that was Young Miss Camden, uh, she technically beat me in points. And so we were like, okay, like, we're just going to buy her dress and wear it next year so that I'll win full points. And then so next year I'll be Miss Camden instead of just the county title. Because you always want to be the city over the county. And that's exactly what we did. But I remember looking back on pictures of me in that dress. I looked absolutely miserable. The dress was the most beautiful, fully rhymed. I mean, it was like liquid beaded on the front before that was even thing. Had a drop waist, beautiful ball gown. But I just remember like looking back on it. I'm like, I was so miserable in that dress because it wasn't what made me happy. The year before, I was in a beautiful high neck, hot pink. Like, I was so excited. It was very of the age. Like, it was perfect for that time. And I was happy. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I won Miss Camden or Miss Kershaw County. I'm so excited. I took pictures, posts on Facebook. But the next year, there's a picture of me just standing with my trophy in the crown like, okay, that was that's it. We're good. We're done. Let's go home. And so it's funny that you mentioned that because it's like, you know, not everyone can afford that, you know, personalized gown, their own thing. But if you do get something and you find it of your own, try to make it your own. Don't just make it someone else's. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I've been there, girl, to where I've seen now in drag pageantry, I've seen individuals spend anywhere between $20,000 to $100,000. Yes. And I've seen individuals spend $250 and still win a pageant, right? What I'm saying is, is that and I might catch some backlash, but it is what it is. Um, I love our pageant mom and dads, okay? But sometimes our pageant mom and dads are living the dream that they never got to through their children and through their daughter or son 
that it, that they're putting in a pageant. Now, the running joke, but it's very true. Whenever I do have my own daughter or daughters or even son, if they want to do pageants, yes, ma'am, let's go. Let's do it. But in that moment, it's going to be what do they want to do, right? And you can see this. We didn't see in the categories of the division specifically of IUM that I judged, one color we didn't even see touched at all in any part of fashion attire, if you will, whether it be gown or a runway or the high fashion runway was black. Why? Because you're sitting here and you're seeing these moms and dads put the girls in what they want to wear, not what the girls want to wear. If I would have saw black out there in somebody's gown, or high fashion runway, I probably would have scored them and won that because it was the one color we didn't get to see. You know, and there's nothing wrong. A five-year-old girl, a six-year-old girl, an eight, 10, 16, 17 girl or boy, if this is what they're going to do, they should be the ones to pick what they want to do. Now, granted, I understand mom and dad got the checkbook or mom and dad are doing and, and, and financing and sponsoring. But my mom and dad know <laughs> that I'm going to do what I want to do. So if I want to go out there in a hot pink lime green formal wear, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to go out there in a hot pink lime green formal wear. And I'm going to sell it as if not 10 times even more because I know that it was for Tanner. But do you get what I'm saying, though? I mean, and again, respectfully, I understand, too, where when we go into the older divisions now, right? And like your division, what you compete for, we know what's going to work and what's not going to work for you and for your body. We get it, right? But if at the end of the day, because I went on your pictures and stuff, because you know, I became a fan of you, that blue velvet gown that you have, if that is with the bustle, everything to me, everything. But if that's what you want to wear as the competitor, you want to wear it. Again, why – and I'm a big firm believer that beads and rhinestones don't win the category. Don't nothing on them score sheets, whether it be mainstream or in drag pageants, say, has to have beads, has to have rhinestones, has to have beaded print. No, because, again, I've been in a pageant, and I've also watched drag pageant DVDs and everything. And we've also seen Miss America, Miss USA, where a classic velvet fitted gown or a fabric gown has won over the most embellished gown. One, the girl walked out there more confident. The fit was right. The fit was right. The fit was right. Right? I mean, I'm just saying it too. And then when we talk about talent, if you know you can't sing, why are you going out there and singing? Just if your mommy and your daddy say, Lord, my daughter and my son got the voice of an angel. Just because they got a voice of an angel wherever you live, don't mean that they should be doing it. Now, on the flip side, if you know your child or you as a competitor can sing, why are you not singing for talent? Why are you dancing? Why are you clogging? No, do what's right for you. Talent after talent where it's singing and singing and singing and singing. And some of the girls and guys can't even catch the key in the pitch. And I'm saying this very fluently because I've even wrote in it down in critique sheets before. So I don't care if I catch flack for it, but then you see girls or guys that are off the beat on dancing and stuff like that. Do what works best for you. And then, then when you talk an interview, be your own voice in interview, stop telling us as judges, what you think we want to hear and tell us what we t- just talk judges, just whether you're judging a mainstream pageant 
I know, and I, I jokingly said, I don't mean to say it jokingly, but it was true. I made four girls cry because I asked them a question and they find, they searched in themselves of giving me the answer that they thought was right. There's no perfect interview. There's no right or wrong interview. What's not the right interview is when you come in here and you sound rehearsed and you tell me why the caged bird sings. Well, the caged bird sings because the owner taught this bird to sing. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. And, I mean, we even see it in an onstage question, right? People in onstage question don't take the moment or the time to sit there and give themselves that pause before we go into a question, before we go into an answer. And then so they get all stumbled. No, speak from the heart. Just talk. Just talk. Yeah, I don't know if you saw that video on my Instagram. I had posted the one thing that, because uh, before I went on stage, my coach and I were standing back, like off this, because they did like a 35 minute break, which I talked about in my play by play, how I did not think that was, they killed the momentum of the pattern. They killed it. But so when we were sitting there practicing, she asked me, you know, like if they were to ask you this question or this question. So we were just randomly babbling off. And I, of course, immediately started with that perfect answer. Oh, I believe that you should be an active listener and active this and da, 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 da. And she's like, no, like you're literally giving me every word that we've talked about before. Like, stop, stop. And she said, all that I want you to do is take a breath on stage. She said, I don't care what comes out your mouth because I know it's going to be golden. Whatever you say, it'll sound good. And so, I mean, I opened my mouth and they asked me, you know, like, what is the legacy or like, you want people to remember about you after your year. And I, you know, maybe I just want to toot my own horn, but I killed that answer. Like I had people crying, like the amount of, I love your you. answer. I, the amount of people I had text me and be like, I just cried. Like if you don't win this pageant, they're crazy. And they're crazy, but that's fine. <laughs> but like the answer that I gave off was like, I want people to remember how I treat them. That is exactly how you should feel going away from every conversation you have. After we talked with our conversation, I said, wow, he made me feel like I was the only person standing there. He really wanted to talk to me. He was actually engaged in our conversation. We had great conversation. I was like, I adore him. And that's how you should feel about talking to people. Like, that's how you should feel. Well, agree. Agree. I mean, here's my thing, right? First of all, LaWanda Jackson and Kyle Ian Haggerty, right? Outside of them being pageant competitors because they've been icons within mainstream and Kyle spending 30 years helping bio cisgendered women and trans men and women compete and accomplish their goals. They're now pageant coaches, right? But one of their main things that they are absolutely known for in our industry of pageantry is their interview and onstage question. I'm going to send you a link at some point and I'm going to show you the work. It's one of the most my grandmother's EOI onstage question, because it comes from your bio, is a one profound moment in history of gay pageantry, okay? But when I prepare and compete for a pageant, I don't go for I don't go to them for interview prep because I want to have a natural conversation. I will go to my grandmother and my grandfather and say, This is what I'm trying to solidify on my intro and my outro. But as far as the body. I'm not going to go to them. So I, in turn, the individuals that I help or even my gay kids when they're preparing for interview or even onstage question, do you prep and plan and prepare for when you go to a job interview? Some, because if you're going to a corporate interview, you want to understand the history and the legacy of the company, what you're about to join. Yes, but I never prepared for when I did my college interview. 
I never prepared for when I interviewed for Disney, Chick-fil-A, David's Bridal. I'm a natural person that speaks from the heart. When you speak from the heart and you give answers to what you truthfully want to say, you're going to you're going to have one of the best interviews. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Being on both sides as a judge, as a co-director, as a pageant competitor, as a podcast host, I get it. I see all the bird's eye view. I see it. So I understand that's that was never never allowed and accepted like five years ago. They're like, don't even, I, I don't even put it back that far. I say two years ago, because I know when I would go into every coaching session with any other coach I've ever had, but, and I'm not dissing any of them because in those times it was, they wanted that perfect answer. What were you going to do? Oh, I'm going to, you know, world peace, feed the hungry, like all that. They wanted that answer. And now it's like, I'm about to take off these heels. I'm going to go get in my car, put on some comfy clothes, get Taco Bell. That's what they want to hear. They want honesty. Now, a couple of years back then before that, when you had the girl that got tripped up and going into her head of saying, and then, and some, and then, and that, and yeah, and um, that's because she was going into, girl, she knew she was making the top 10. She knew she was making the top five, but then she couldn't get the answer out there when she made the five because she was going in there to and be too rehearsed. I mean, we saw that, Casey, at, 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 again, we're going back to it because that's how we met at IUM when girls were doing their opening uh, introduction, right? They they go in there and they're rehearsed and they're, they're rehearsed, they're rehearsed, they're rehearsed, they're rehearsed too much. That's great. I get it. But we see where girls flop or then you see where girls start off and then they caught themselves, but then they recovered amazingly. Because then they went a whole totally different direction than they would need to go. And then we see the girls that won or did very good in the category because they just naturally spoke from the heart. I've been there also on the drag pageantry side of things to where you have girls and guys just straight have a dumb blonde moment in a sense and nothing can come out. And they're like, and I thank you. Right. And then you see some girls and guys uh, that, you know, have on stage question and they answer it and you're like why did you just give that answer because what you just sat there and said outside in the parking lot kelly ray if you're listening at miss gay america 2015 should have been what you said or said an on stage question not what you did say right and, and then those girls that don't win or those guys that don't win they get married casey because they didn't win the title, but knowing that onstage question is fixing to be the make or break moment. So don't be mad at nobody else but yourself because you didn't do what you should have done because you was too busy up in that head and that la cabeza. You just didn't let it come out naturally. And I'm speaking from experience myself. No, I seriously, my one goal going into this last pageant I did, I mean, of course, everyone wants to win. You do, but I went in with different intentions. Of course, I want to win. Yeah, but that was the, almost like the, that'd be the icing on the cake. My checkboxes were, I want to get on stage and recover from a <laughs> a terrible onstage question I had in high school. That was the only other time I've ever had onstage question. And I was like, I just want to do better than I did, you know, five years ago. Like that, I just want to do way better than I did. Oh my gosh, at this time, is it 10 years? No, it's not 10 years. It's like six eight, I don't know, something like that. A couple, a, a while ago when I was in ninth grade, cause I'm 23 now, but like, I just better than I did then. And I did. And so as soon as I got done with that onstage question, I mean, did everybody look at me and be like, you so won this thing. And I was like, oh wow. Okay. I feel great. But in the moment 
every time it's the weirdest thing when I get into that, like where I'm staying, cause I've been first runner up like three times now back to back. So we're trying to break that. We were trying to break that, but I was, <laughs> I was standing there, when I'm, you know, you're holding their hands and they always say, if your hands are on top, you're, you're going to win. And so um, I did that cause I'm a superstitious person. I just wanted to see if it was actually true. It's not. So if your hands are on top, you're not always going to be a winner. Just so you know. So I'm standing there and in my head, I heard like, it just, a voice goes first runner up. And I was like, it! and this happened three times now to me I hear it and so I'm waiting for the moment where I just don't hear a voice at all and that sounds like oh my god this girl needs to go to a mental hospital she is unwell but no like no I get it yes it's a weird I, I get it I get it I'm so glad that everyone listening today could I know that they can take at least something from what we've talked about we have covered almost every ground that I can imagine <laughs> but I really hope uh, yeah, and I really hope that people actually listen to this conversation because it really is a different side of the pageant industry that I've not actually seen in person. Now, for everyone listening and joining in and continuing to allow me to have this conversation with people week after week after week, title holders, anybody in this in the industry, it's just so amazing. I, I don't know if you hear it a lot, and not to cut you off, but I don't know if I hear, you hear it a lot, but I have to say thank you. Because, you know, not a lot of individuals give people opportunities like this to have a conversation, right? Not a lot of individuals give opportunity to want to see or experience the other side, if you will, right? And again, we've talked about it before. If you empathize and if you just allow people to talk and have the conversation, you're going to see things in a totally different light. I'm going to challenge you with something. Two things. I want you to continue on to be this voice like you've said and like you're doing. But maybe the next episode we bring on that you have with me, if that happens, we bring on some of these other icons like I've talked about on this live. So that way you can also hear their story and you can also hear their journey of what it's been like, you know, Um, and then I think it will totally open up more eyes for you and you'll never know what doors are going to open for you, baby, because this right here is amazing. I would absolutely love that because this, what this podcast preaches is inclusivity. And that is for everyone, no matter who you are, yellow, pink, brown, like men, like women, whoever you are, I want people to just listen and get different views of the world that we're in, the community we're in, the industry that we work within or choose to compete in. And I want people to hear from all sides of the spectrum. So absolutely, I will definitely. And you made me cry, girl. So you know, you done your job. You made me cry. It's very hard to make Tanner Shriver cry like that, honey. So you know, made me cry two times. You, you got, you got me. I love it. Well, you know, guys, you never know what happens in the future. So I guess you'll have to check out next week on another episode of the crowning moment. Bye guys. Bye.